0: This week on The Sport Blokes.
1: This week, the Kings are coming for the Kings. Dylan Brooks is coming for the King. And the Queen of Marathons goes for a drive at the wrong time. Probably something about the Joker in here too.
0: Torian Prince has at least two games left in him too. Let's go. It's 8.54 on Thursday the 20th of April 2023. So shout out to Ricky Williams, Junior Rioli and Michael Phelps among others. We're not in the same place tonight. Sure, you're uh, on the other end of a Zoom call this week. How are you going, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. Four twenty. Yes. So you got my reference. Very good.
1: I, I did indeed, mate. It's uh it's one of these ones that is hard to miss nowadays. It's been around certainly long enough now that I think most people kind of pick up on that. But uh, no, unfortunately, Ramoti this week, yeah, just work being incredibly incredibly busy just made it very very difficult to make that half hour drive to come and see you in person.
0: I feel you, mate. It's been one of those weeks, hasn't it, for all involved, I think. Mm. One thing I will say before we get stuck in, and as always, thank you to those that like and subscribe, but thank you to everyone who are listening. And uh, check the timestamps. I think it's going to be very NBA-heavy once again. We're going to have some stuff in the opening bounce we might otherwise devote to a normal segment. One thing I want to say quickly, well, there's a couple of things I want to say quickly. I was at the Screaming Jets on Saturday uh at the charles hotel here in perth and i gotta say it was a magnificent gig and hopefully now look it wouldn't be the first time i've brought up music on our show but hopefully you know why i've brought it up this time no i have no idea Ah, okay well you will now many of our listeners who are perhaps our age or older will remember the helping hand sequence that saturday basketball used to show
1: Uh to the tune of screaming
0: jets helping hands yeah
1: right no fair enough i was gonna say have you seen them before
0: I have actually on 10-year increments. <laughs> so I saw them in yeah, right. 03, I think I saw them in 13, and I think I saw them in 23, nearly 10-year increments. And they've been fantastic all three times. Very good.
1: Would you say this performance was, I don't know, better?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, gee, it would be hard to pick between the three of them, actually. Yeah.
1: that's a bit, That's the extent of my Screaming Jets knowledge, unfortunately. I know they're very good, but just never really got into them as much as you
0: no fair enough oh look i think they're yeah well they're not my favorite band in the world but they're very fun live and and a good aussie rock band and yeah definitely worth seeing now the other thing i wanted to mention at the top was a shout out to adam ryan the host of in all airness who won hard quiz the other way well i don't think is it spoilers it's been over a week now so i don't think it's uh
1: yeah if you haven't seen it tough shit
0: Yeah, well, no, check it out because, uh, you know, there's plenty of NBA-related questions and he had a win, as I say, so he made it right to the end. He's been at the podcast game for about a decade, so really worth listening to in all airness. I checked out the one about Joe Dumas recently today, given that, well, we'll get to that in the NBA section, but yeah, spectacular job from him and he loves a pun too and we love a pun, so that's always good. Do do you know,
1: speaking of puns, it's kind of ironic that he's such a big Jordan fan when Really, when you look at him as a, a trailblazer of sorts when it comes to the NBA podcasts, he's he's a trailblazer. And that, uh, very is good. Team, yep. that is the team that should have drafted Jordan in the
0: first place. Yes. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Did you think he got harder questions than the others? I was watching with my yeah. girlfriend last night and she's like, he's getting screwed on the questions here. Like this lady that works in the scouts is getting like, she's like, that's the most common knot in scouts. And <laughs> what knot is this? And then he's getting yeah. all these obscure questions. So it's kind of <laughs> nice that he had a win.
1: It's it's interesting. Like the lebradford Bradford Smith question was quite obscure. I have to admit, I, I mean, I got the exact same questions wrong that he did. I have to say, I got all the other ones that he got right, I got right as well. But I, yeah, I, I think his were a little bit trickier. And I, I did love the the one where basically they put the court down and yes. said, right, where's Jordan? <laughs> and then at the end of it, he's like, right, get rid of this crap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I thought it was thirty six points too. So there you go.
1: Oh, there you go. I said, well, I, I knew that he'd scored in the 40s for the game, but I just couldn't remember. Yeah, I knew I knew he was in the 30s. I think I said 30, 31. So I was way off. Yeah, no, good, just good effort. Really,
0: really good effort. Tremendous stuff. And do check out the podcast. It's definitely worth a listen. So yeah. opening bounce, I see Renee Gracie, who was making headlines when we first started doing this podcast way back in the day, is making them again. She's returning to racing with a heavily OnlyFans-branded Audi. Novak Djokovic reckons he can coach Nick Kyrgios to five Grand Slams for a price. No time for that, though. We've got plenty of NBA players to get through, so we thought we'd do some AFL and NBL for the opening bounce this week. Stewie, where do you want to start?
1: I want to start with Renee Gracie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so what's the deal? Has she given up on the OnlyFans stuff, or is it she's just using them for sponsoring her getting back behind the wheel?
0: I would suggest she will probably uh, have a fairly lucrative career in both, it seems.
1: Fair enough. If Fair I'm not mistaken, she's on. getting
0: back on the track here in Perth, I think, actually.
1: Oh, there you go. I yeah, I mean, we're obviously it's... not
0: big motorsports guys, but we used to joke about her in the very early days of the podcast, so it's kind yeah, of funny did. that did.
1: <laughs> this did. one's come and around you know, again. And you know what? Fair play to her. She's made a lot of money doing something that she's happy with, and we've, we've kind of got to a put our hands up and say you know what well done to her
0: oh of course yeah yeah absolutely fair play indeed so i guess we'll race through afl real quick this week we? there's a lot going on there's talking about is the tackle dead and all this other stuff but It's kind of nonsense but what do you make of gather round
1: it's it's interesting isn't it? it it's it's kind of funny when you think of i guess the previous seasons where we've had all of these bubbles and little sort of breakout groups playing in different spots, it, it kind of almost felt a little bit like a mini bubble. I mean, look, the numbers were were pretty good. It's kind of nice to see some games being played. There was a game played out near where you used to live, wasn't there?
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, down at Norwood Oval there. I've been to a few matches there. Yeah, well, there was the, the Dockers and the Gold Coast, actually. So I had annual leave and my girlfriend managed to get off work early. So we actually managed to see the full game. But I I was, and I continue to feel sorry for the Freo fans that had to work until 5 o'clock and probably didn't get to see anything live until the fourth quarter. So I do think that scheduling was a bit bullshit, and I hope they don't do that again. Of course they will. Well, yeah, you'd hope not. There's plenty of other teams in the other time zone that could get... Well, You don't even need to have an early Friday. Anyway, we won't go too much into that, but...
1: it's a Perth thing. We know what it's like being in Perth. That's what oh, And
0: I'm glad you say that because I don't want to make this all sour grapes about the West. Uh, I'm pretty pragmatic. I remember talking on one of our episodes about how major tournaments like the Olympics and World Cups and those sort of things, we just don't have as big a population in our hemisphere. And it just makes sense that there's going to be more of these things happening in the Northern Hemisphere. So this isn't a WA thing per se, but I was amazed that Before the round was even over, they announced that they've given them another three. So four in a row it will be. And Gil's parting gift to his home state, the Tourism SA round, it may as well be called. I'm just amazed that they didn't even pretend to maybe wait a week and at least pretend to take... Well, maybe, who knows? They might have got really good bids from other states. I saw today that apparently they made $230 million as a result, the South Australian economy. So it was clearly a, a great thing. But there's no CEO, neither the blokes nor women have a new collective bargaining agreement. I'm just astonished that they didn't treat this like a caretaker government where they can only make so many decisions. To award this state another three years in a row is just baffling. And again, this isn't a WA thing necessarily. I could completely understand why WA would be less likely to get this. But what about Tassie? What about Queensland? What about other states and even the territory, for example? Okay, maybe the population might make that tricky. But yeah, as I say, I'm just amazed. And look, maybe, maybe it's not as big a deal. I haven't heard many other people complaining. Maybe I'm a lone voice on this one. But again, when the leadership at AFL level is unsettled, to say the least, to... Award something like this for four years in a row, ostensibly, is mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. Almost with too much transparency, they could have at least pretended, like I say, to think about the other states and then award it to to South Australia.
1: Well, that's it. So it's come out that Eagles football boss Gavin Bell's actually asked the AFL for an extra home game as compensation because of the extra travel, and... Obviously, again, being from Perth, we understand what's going to happen. The rest of Australia is going to laugh at us, and that's pretty much what's happened. If you look through all of the comments on social media, it's very much all, oh, have a win, Eagles," blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. Nobody over East is going to want to put up with this. But if you look at the figures of the home games that West Coast and Fremantle play, and to an extent before this, Adelaide and Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sydney, GWS, The amount of home games that we play being outside of Victoria is obviously going to be much less than the, the, I say in inverted commas, the home games that all the Victorian teams play. That's just the legacy, I guess, of the VFL. And as frustrating as it is, we just have to put up with it.
0: Well, I I think the other key thing is it's not just about home or home field or home state. It's about the travel. It takes a toll on your body. And again, this isn't an anti-South Australian thing. I lived in South Australia for three years, as you mentioned. Adelaide Oval is a magnificent ground. It's perfectly situated in the city. It's it's a lovely walk to the ground there. It's, it's wonderful. It really is. But if the shoe were on the other foot and any other state was awarded this for four consecutive years, including WA, I would still think it was unfair and I would still be amazed at how they kind of got to this point. Again, given what I said before about the context of the leadership within the league at the moment.
1: Well, and again, looking at the numbers talk about the travel uh, i don't know what the numbers are for Fremantle, but i have to imagine they're fairly similar i think west coast traveled fifty-three 000 kilometers last season and there were some victorian teams that were less than fifteen thousand. yeah
0: so well that's
1: it you know if, if you want to talk about it being fair and all of that sort of stuff those numbers don't read well
0: and it's very easy for people in south australia to to say oh the vics are whinging like don't just focus on the vics there's plenty of other states and I know the logo didn't even have the state of Tasmania in it, which is kind of bullshit too. But anyway, we won't we won't go too much further into that for now. NBL, Stewie, a couple of real quick things that the schedule came out today. I don't know if you saw that funny video from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. That was pretty classic.
1: Oh, that was great, honestly. I I love, well, I, I refer to him as Jimmy Giggle because I have watched a lot of uh, Giggle and Hoot, which is a kid's cartoon, sort of, well, it's not really a cartoon, it's just a kid's show that has Jimmy Reeve on, Jimmy, what's his name, Jimmy? But you know, more than oh, me already, I've got no idea. <laughs> I can't even remember what it. Hang on, I've got to. I've got to figure out. Hang on, let me just go and get his name. But yes, his name is Jimmy Reese. He's a comedian, very funny guy. Any a, a relation really, to really Paul? Clever, uh, well, I'm going to say yes, but I've got no <laughs> idea. I assume, I assume not. But no, look, it was a really, really cleverly put together. One of those things that he's done a lot of, where it's different states laughing at each other over stereotypes.
0: I, I love it. And it was just classic. The life expectancy of Jack Jumpers. How long have you guys been in the league? <laughs> there are a few pretty to funny ones. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, good, good stuff. stuff. So a couple of other signings, Trav's gone to Melbourne as has JLA, so they continue to get a few WA blokes and some pretty decent ones too.
1: Well, I want to talk to you about the Travers incident. So like he's come out and said that the reason he left the Wildcats was because he's looking for I think it was greater opportunities to I guess be involved in the offence, have the ball in his hand a little bit more, which is not going to happen obviously in Perth. We've got Bryce Cotton. He is a very ball-dominant player, which is fine. Is it curious that he went to Melbourne United when he's going to be playing, in theory, with JLA, Chris Golding, and potentially Rajon Tucker and Xavier Rathan-Mays? Like, that doesn't really sound like a team that's going to give him the ball a whole lot.
0: Yeah, JLA's never met a shot he didn't like to. Uh, well, it depends. If they decide to play him as starting point guard, then run the offense through him, then maybe, maybe he would have the ball in his hands a fair bit. I think... The curious thing for me was the three years. I think, well, we've both said it a number of times. We both think the best place for him is the G League. I'll be amazed if... I think his best play is to do Summer League and then do G League straight after. I think it suits his game way more. But I understand the Dean Vickerman effect, I think, is a big deal. Obviously, the most stable coach in the league and the most experienced, I believe, in the league currently. And also, obviously, they're going to get more scouts over to Melbourne than they would have had coming to WA I imagine they have scouts going there far more often to the east coast than they do here in WA which makes perfect sense once again I have no problem with that pragmatically so so I guess they're the things that that make a bit more sense to me but yes it will be very interesting to see if he gets more touches than he was getting here in Perth
1: yeah I I think if he really meant what he said the smartest places for him to sign would have either been Tasmania or Illawarra Maybe to a lesser extent, I don't know. I, I don't want to send anyone to Brisbane because they haven't really been a great place for many people. But I, I just, I don't know if Melbourne United is the greatest option for him, aside from, as you say, the fact that the scouts will be there.
0: Now, the other interesting thing is United are rumoured to be going after Delhi again after the NBA playoffs. So that definitely wouldn't make him a starting point card, I wouldn't imagine. So, huh? yeah, we'll watch this space. Uh, plenty more to come in the NBA off-season. But good to see the fixtures are out. I'm just surprised that they would have scheduled games well on afl grand final day including i can understand maybe maybe on the sunday after afl grand final you could have maybe started the round with sunday monday for example or or have a kind of a split round with sunday monday and then come back on a thursday or something but that's probably the the major curious thing for me i don't know why you would why you would compete with the afl grand final like that
1: yeah it's a losing effort i mean even we would absolutely switch on the afl grand final before any nbl
0: Oh, of course. Finals, playoffs, they always win. And that's why we're not Mm. talking about the AFL and NBL and much other sport today because the NBA playoffs are in full swing.
1: Just one thing as well, just to be consistent as a Perth fan, have to whinge a little bit. It's been doing the rounds, playing Perth at Melbourne United at John Kane Arena on the 23rd of December at Cairns Convention Centre to play the Taipans three days later in Adelaide to play the 36ers two days after that. Three away games in the space of five days, that's it's fucking hideous, quite frankly. I don't think any team outside of the NBA should have to do that. And yeah, disappointing.
0: Yeah, the NBA doubled down on the Christmas stuff, hasn't it? It's going to be really interesting to see if that's worthwhile. But look, they've been doing a lot of things right recently. they Did you see they pitched someone from the AFL? They got David Stevenson from the AFL as the new CEO of the NBL. And he was the former GM of operations. He's been the Western Bulldog CEO, the Nike vice president, GM of emerging markets. So he's a pretty uh, pretty good get. So they are doing a lot right, but I do wonder if they've gone too hard on the Christmas stuff. It's going to be interesting. Time will tell. It will. So a couple of things, Joey, before we get into the actual playoffs proper, we've got the play-ins and there's been some updates on the Dallas tanking.
1: Yeah, very quick update on the Mavericks tanking issue. The league has fined the Mavs $750,000 for, quote, conduct detrimental to the league. How is $750,000 a deterrent? That is my question.
0: Oh, Well, it's a slap on the wrist. So it's basically what we speculated last time, wasn't it? So I- I'm glad that this is the result for the well, reasons let's... expressed in our last episode. I won't yeah. re-go through them again, but...
1: But let's put it this way. Mark Cuban's worth about $5 billion. He's already said he's going to donate the same amount to charity, which is basically a middle finger to the league. Like he's saying, oh,
0: $750,000, double it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't put too much of a middle finger up to the league because, as I say, you don't want to poke the bear on that one, do you? But I I think, oh, yeah, I I think it was bogus from the get-go. It's kind of a... A slap on the wrist, which is all I wanted anyway. I, I'm just pissed off they drove their tank right into ours and then we lost the tiebreaker with Houston. So now Houston have better odds than us. Yeah, that's it.
1: Uh, uh, well, at least your odds are slightly better than 1.7%.
0: Did you see Tankathon Stewie did a simulation and the Thunder came up two times in a row when they did their simulation? It's like Tim Duncan. The Tim Duncan draft it. when the Spurs had no no good odds.
1: Can we just call it then? uh you wish yes i do yes i do
0: which is fair enough hey if it Mm. can't be us i would like it to be okc because they're my second team basically because josh giddy what a player hey how was that play-in game now obviously the second play-in game not as good but he is only 19 he can be forgiven for having a bit of a stinker he had an all-timer didn't he, prior to that can we just go back for a second
1: oh the thunder of your second
0: team oh well i thought that was obvious that's I did. I didn't actually think it was obvious. That makes well, me so happy, Nate. It well, really well, it just makes sense. They've got our best young player. I'd be silly not to. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Aussies knocking around the league, but the Thunder make a lot of sense.
1: Makes me very happy. Makes me very
0: happy. Well, you know, I was on the giddy bandwagon very early and before most. So yeah, I'm stoked he's well, on yeah. a, a good situation, and it's only going to get better
1: absolutely so yeah as you said a very very impressive showing for giddy in well the first play in game against new orleans but uh yeah unfortunately the season did come to an end for the thunder and the bulls getting knocked out in that second play in and honestly i hope people think it was well worth it for that 1.7 percent chance at wemby but yeah Great performance, thirty-one points. That is more in a first postseason game than Giannis Antetokounmpo, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kevin Durant, and Allen Iverson.
0: I guess, yeah, you can call it a postseason game rather than a playoff game. That's the that's and, the technicality, yeah. isn't it? Postseason game, and
1: that's. That's the big thing is I'm referring to this as postseason and not playoffs because it's not playoffs. But, yeah, really, really cool. All of those guys, I actually did list them in order from fewest to most points. Giddy one point ahead of Alan Iverson. Interestingly, Jordan had 23 points in his first postseason game.
0: Oh, there you go. Shout out to Adam Ryan again with his weird uh, number stuff.
1: There you go. But that 31, still 11, shall have Luka Doncic's record from 2020. Darren Fox had 38 in his debut against the Warriors as well, which we'll talk about in a bit.
0: Oh, yes. He's had a very good start to his playoff career. Very good indeed.
1: He has. But we also have to mention Josh Giddy, the youngest player with a 30-point postseason game, breaking Derek Rose's previous record of 20 years and 196 days by a mere 12 days.
0: Oh, so he's 20 now. I just called him 19 before. There you go.
1: Oh, well, look, he's young.
0: He is young. Yeah, no, very good. Very good. Mm. Promising yeah. times future,
1: ahead. Future is bright, hopefully. Oh,
0: yeah. Now, by the way, Stewie, I watched that Lakers and T-Wolves play in-game after we recorded last week, and I do actually think the Wolves choked. Apparently, I heard they only shot one shot within 22 feet over an eight-minute stretch, and it was a putback. <laughs> so well, they I did definitely say, blew I, that one.
1: I did say that they were shooting a lot of jump shots. I didn't yeah. realize it was quite that bad, but, yeah, oh, that was... Outrageous. It was ugly basketball.
0: It, it really was. It really was. Now, speaking of ugly... We've got some controversy in one of our Californian series. We've got to talk about Sacramento, Golden State, and the Stomp.
1: Yeah, it's a real shame. Like It's been an amazing series on the court so far in the first two games, but it gets dominated by this controversy, and I did want to just say before we get into all of that sort of stuff, we have to commend the Kings for what they've achieved, Like they have not been overawed by this big stage. There's been all this chatter about the Warriors, uh, uh, including from myself. The Warriors are this team that has all of this experience. They effectively will just kind of turn up and get it done. And they really haven't so far you know the the games have both been quite close I guess you would say Um, Sacramento doing enough in the fourth quarter to get the job done in both
0: games and it's been really fun to watch. Game one was just magnificent I didn't get to see game two that was today by the way apparently there were millions of league pass fans all around the world that didn't get to watch because they were applying blackouts to international versions rather than just the US versions. (laughs) So that's not good. But uh, game one, my God, I can't decide which was better. Game one of Kings and Warriors or game one of Clippers and Suns. They were both absolutely magnificent. Down the stretch, the end of game one of Kings Warriors, it was just huge shot after huge shot. It was like two heavyweight boxers trading blows. And both Steph and Clay hit some really crazy shots. But as you say, full credit to the Warriors. They stayed poised. They played to the very end, yes. The Warriors had a shot to win it, and Wiggins missed, so it could be very different had he hit that shot. But uh, they've held firm at home court, and now given this controversy, they're in the box seat, aren't they?
1: Well, I think if we just sort of – I kind of want to really talk about why I think this is the better game, and it just purely comes down to the atmosphere. This is basically those early 2000s Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Vladdy Diva, Doug Christie, hey, Lawrence Funder- Lawrence Funderburk. Yeah. you want to go like random kings? Like that's the sort of environment they've actually had to ban the cowbells because it's that loud, and I love it.
0: Well, no, my understanding is they've just banned the cowbells in uh, the Warriors' home court. <laughs> so I think they've told travelling fans that they can't bring the cowbells. So I think the cowbells are still okay in Sacto. They just won't fly at the uh, Warriors' venue.
1: Oh, I did a boy
0: read. Okay. That's my I understanding. I might be wrong. That's my understanding. Well, it, I might it'll, have done a it'll boy. It would be read.
1: interesting. But the thing the thing I love about this though is that if you think back, let's just say back to 2000, for example. And if you think to yourself, right, what are the best crowds in terms of that deafening sort of noise? For me, it comes down to two. It is the Sacramento team that I talked about, that early two thousands team, and the We Believe Warriors.
0: I struggle to think of of better examples. Definitely,
1: the noise, the decibel levels, just being really, really high up there, and and for me, I think that's what I love about this series. And but you're right, like those those real sort of yeah heavyweight boxer sort of fights with Darren Fox, thirty eight points in game one. Malik Monk was
0: really really solid in there as well. He was he was excellent. I'd say more than solid. He was very yeah
1: really really solid. Yeah, And, and. and I guess the, the big thing that's kind of got the Kings so far in this series already is they're winning the points in the paint battle. They're plus 16 in game one, plus 14 in game two. Really good minutes from Trey Lyles in game one. Davion Mitchell was huge in game two, hit that massive three that kind of gave them a little bit of breathing room when the Warriors were, were really pushing as well after the Draymond green ejection, which we'll talk about in a second.
0: And he's obviously super important defensively too. So good to see him get a bit of a run. I must admit, when I saw game one, and when I saw those crazy shots that Curry and, and Clay hit, as I say, Curry hit two of them, Clay hit one. I thought, geez, if the Warriors, like, oh, the, can the Kings sustain this? They did in game one, they did at home, and it was a massive one to win. But I just thought, oh, if Curry keeps hitting those shots, but... In some ways, and we always talk about how the playoffs are about matchups and they're a different game almost. In some ways, this was the Warriors' worst opponent, wasn't it? Because the Kings are just so quick.
1: Yeah. They get up and down. They like to get shots up. I mean, Darren Fox is one of the quickest players in the game. That's no secret. That's why he's able to get into that mid-range, get those little steps in between him and the defenders and get to his floater game. I mean, he's been excellent with that getting into the seams and putting up little 10-footers, which for him, it's a very, very good shot. High percentage. He's taken it for pretty much his entire career. And if they keep giving him that shot, he's going to kill him.
0: One clutch player of the year award too, obviously. Yeah, no, he's absolutely showing why when there were rumblings about DeJounte being on the block, he's showing why I wanted the Spurs to trade DeJounte for him because Mm. I was a big fan of his out of college and he stumbled out of the gates in his pro career. But boy, oh boy, I tell you what. He's almost the hottest player in the playoffs at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's really been worth the wait. I mean, a few years, yes, but getting to see him now on, arguably the biggest stage because of the expectations of every Golden State Warriors fan, every fan of basketball, really, who, I mean, let's be honest, I think most people certainly expected Golden State would win. I don't know whether everyone thought maybe six games or seven, but even as the lower seed, I think a lot of people expected and again, even with Golden State struggling on the road, I think a lot of people expected that they would just kind of show up, show their experience. They've been there, they've done this before. You know, you would say that they've got—I mean, the greatest shooter in the history of the game, and probably one of the next two or three as well in Clay Thompson. So yeah, it's
0: uh Jesus been impressive. Makes sense that people would pick the defending champs. They're defending champs for a reason. So so I think that's yeah. fair enough. But it is kind of the all-chip-on-your-shoulder team, really, when you think about Harrison Barnes as the obvious one. But De'Aaron Fox did cop a lot of heat after not having a great start to his pro career. Uh, even Malik Monk. There's a number He's of guys. One. Sabonis has been traded twice at a pretty young age. So so there's a lot of guys that are playing to to prove a point, I think.
1: Yeah, Malik Monk was the one that I was thinking funnily enough. Even you know Kevin Herter was traded from Atlanta. Yes, I knew you there was Alex- one more.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: A- even Alex Len, he's a guy that's kind of been kind of disregarded after his time in Phoenix, and you know, he's providing decent minutes off the bench. Funnily enough, though, I saw a the, graphic... the draft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the most influential player in the top five of that draft.
0: It's, it's crazy, ridiculous. Isn't it? it is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah, look,
1: it's it's a fun story. But yes, you're right. We do have to talk about the Draymond Green incident. So I guess if anyone's missed this somehow. There's a battle for a rebound. Demantis Sabonis has fallen to the ground, grabs Draymond Green's leg, and Green basically stomps on his chest. What are your thoughts on it, Nath?
0: Yeah, that's basically what happened. I think he did grab his leg fairly quickly. People can freeze frame. It all happened very quickly. I do think that it was a dirty play on both parts. I don't think two wrongs make a right. I do think that Draymond's a dirty player, I don't think he should have been suspended, though. Like, he did put all his weight on Sabonis. And, you know, he can claim that he was trying to not step on him and trying to do the right thing and whatnot. I I do think that he clearly put all his weight with one foot on Sabonis' sternum. I do think that.
1: And and he's listed at about 105 kilograms, roughly. So, decent amount of weight. I shouldn't say that.
0: That's about what I weigh. (laughs) ugh well exactly it's not it's not nothing and and obviously Sabonis is a big boy too but it's it's not nothing and and it would have hurt so look I think that a lot of people are saying you've kind of punished him twice you punished him by throwing him out of the game I wonder if some of it was the histrionics where he was playing up to the crowd but see this is great this is it's borderline wrestling kind of stuff but it's great this is what the playoffs are all about a bit of We like to have villains and heroes as we talked about last week. We love to have players that we hate and he does love him or hate him. He does bring a lot of spice to the game. I think the punishment was excessive. It's really interesting. The bringing previous acts into it, Brian Windhorst, who, by the way, Brian Windhorst, fantastic journalist. He kind of entered the the league and entered, he's about our age and he kind of followed LeBron from the beginning and he's He's really forged an amazing career and and a really insightful guy. And and I applaud him. He's written a book. He's done all sorts of good stuff. But as he said, for many years, actually, to anyone who will listen, I've heard him say it on podcasts. I've heard him say it on SportsCenter. I've heard him say it on NBA Today. Even though they might not admit it, the NBA definitely takes prior acts into consideration. So on one hand, I actually applaud the NBA for being transparent and saying, yes, prior acts come into this. On the other hand, though, if that's a policy change, that's got to happen in the off season. And so either you act under the guise that you pretend, I guess, ostensibly, it's a bit like the gather round stuff, you pretend that they don't play a part, and then next season you announce there will now be precedent, much like when someone is sentenced for a crime, if they have a massive rap sheet, they're much more likely to go to jail for a longer period than someone who's committed their first offence, who may not go to jail at all. So it makes sense in sentencing and it's, it's kind of consistent with how we see punishment, but it does feel like policy on the run. And that's the problem I have. Yep. No,
1: I couldn't agree more. And especially because it was a clear retaliation and no matter what Sabonis says, he grabbed his leg. You don't do that. And yeah, like, okay, if we look at the play on its own, Yes, if we look at it by the letter of the law, unnecessary, excessive contact. It is probably a flagrant two. It's probably an ejection. Still seems a bit harsh, but it probably is by the letter of the law. And I think probably a flagrant one on Sabonis. But yeah, I don't like the suspension, especially in this situation. You know, you're in the middle of a playoff series. People want to see this playoff series go seven and yeah if we're talking about suspending people on reputation which look in the past I've maybe been all for. i I'm not a big fan of Draymond Green that's well documented but especially when it's a clear retaliation and I know people would go well the retaliation that he had on LeBron in the finals in what was it 2016 or something that cost him a game yes but uh, yeah I just I don't think in this situation it warranted a suspension
0: and a lot of people are saying that he hasn't had a terrible rap sheet of late. So obviously, as you say, going back, I mean, that's going back seven, eight years, but Mm -hmm. apparently there was one from last year's playoffs that I don't actually recall. I can't even remember who the player was, but other than that, he hasn't been as bad the last couple of years. So even the previous actions thing is, is even flimsier, isn't it?
1: Mm, Yeah, it is. As I say, I don't love it, but I guess we don't make the decisions, do we?
0: Kind of still expect Golden State to win Game 3, but they need Kaminga to, to do something. If if Kaminga doesn't do anything, they're in a bit of trouble, I think.
1: Well, that brings me to a big question, Nate. Does Game 3 feel like a must-win for the Kings?
0: In a weird way, it does. Yeah, in a weird way, it does. Because it's a bit like the, and obviously we'll get to it shortly, the Grizz and the Lakers today. It's kind of a bit of a house money game, isn't it? I guess slightly different because the Grizzlies had only lost one game rather than two, but they were at home. So playing without JAR today, they had a very impressive win. If the Kings don't win this one, the doubt will creep in potentially.
1: Well, this is it. I mean, no Draymond Green. The Warriors maybe somehow get through game three. They win game four as well. Sacramento is a young team. They come back home for a game five. And look, we all know the statistics for teams winning game five in a 2-2 series. It's like, what, 75? Oh, it's like it's, yeah. Well, it might be, in the, yeah, it'd be in the, probably in the '80s. Um, so you know they come back for a game five, knowing that they should have been up three nothing, had four shots at dethroning the champs, and instead it's a three game series. It's a really, really big game for a young team.
0: Time will tell. Depending how how I go with the edit, the game might have even been played before I upload this, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll but see. Uh, it, it makes the series interesting. And and boy oh boy, game one was so good. So hopefully there'll be a couple more crackers like that.
1: Just quickly, a couple of stats. Golden State 0-9 went down 0-2 in a best-of-seven series. Never trailed 0-2 under Steve Kerr. The last time they did was the We Believe Warriors who lost to Utah in the 7 conference semifinals. But on the flip side of
0: that, they've always won at least one road playoff game under him too. So something's got to give.
1: Mm. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? So before I do the bloody hell this week, I would have to apologize greatly. I am going to butcher the living shit out of the name on this one. It is a Scottish name. However, it's a Polish Scottish name and it's got a lot of consonants. I'm going to butcher it. So I apologize in advance. Anyway, the bloody hell this week goes to Scottish Marathon runner Joasia Zakrzewski, who finished third at the Great Britain Ultras Manchester to Liverpool 80km race on the 7th of April. Now, third place is a pretty good result. Until you realise that she completed four kilometres of the race in a car. What? Yes. Now, there's plenty of stories about this in the past of, you go back into like the, the marathons of the 1900s, like the early 1900s, and this stuff happened all the time.
0: We've talked about it in a number of This week's in Sports over the years, and there were those stories of people hiding because they gave a prize for the last place finisher and all that sort of stuff.
1: There's, there's all sorts of crazy stories like this, but the problem is that if you go back that far, the one thing that they were missing was all of this gear that basically shows you the analytics of how fast they're running and where they were at any particular point. And look, this particular lady, she is an incredible athlete. She represented Scotland at the 2014 Commonwealth Games, but when you complete a four kilometre stretch at an average speed of 58 kilometres an hour, it's a tad suspicious. And especially oh. when you consider that Usain Bolt's top speed in any of his 100-meter sprints was less than 44 kilometers. You're trying to tell me she's 14 kilometers an hour faster? It's no. No, 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 no.
0: So what the hell happened?
1: Well, unsurprisingly, she was stripped of her third place and, yeah, disqualified for being a big old cheater. Wow. So to Dr. Zakrzewski, if you expect us to believe you're faster than Usain Bolt, you're your you're wendy, you're bag. You made up for perfectly. the pronunciation. Uh, for for any for anyone who's wondering what that actually meant, your your bums oot the wendy basically means you're lying and your daft wee bore bags, you stupid person, basically. So yeah, bloody hell, bloody hell.
0: So I've already touched on it already. Let's talk about the Lakers and the Grizz chewy tied up at one all after today. Jeez, this has all the hallmarks of going seven, doesn't it? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me.
1: But God, the Lakers will be pissed. They're not up to nothing, honestly. As you mentioned kind of, yeah, playing with house money a little bit, get that second game without Ja Morant. They take game one. And, you know, imagine being in that position and getting smoked by fucking Xavier Tillman. Yes.
0: <laughs> Next man up.
1: Well, that's it. But, like, imagine if you stack up two stat lines. You've got 22 and 13 rebounds on 10 of 13 shooting, and then you've got 13 and 8 on 4 of 14, and you said one of them was Anthony Davis and one was Xavier Tillman. Most people are going to assume that the good stats belong to AD. Yes. But it was Tillman, first Grizzly player with 22 and 13 on 75% shooting in a playoff game ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. They might need to find him more minutes.
1: Well, this was the thing. Like, I was actually watching a massive college compilation, I guess, of really big moments from Final Fours and from, well, from basically NCAA runs from the previous five or six years. And it did show that Michigan State team with Tillman. And he was a bloody good player. And I was actually thinking, where is he? Is he even in the league still? And sure enough, two days later, he pops up and absolutely dominates the Lakers in the absence of Ja Morant and you know, other players. Like it's, It was great. I think the biggest thing, though, for the Lakers, and I suppose the biggest worry, not so much Davis. I mean, he had a pretty shit game, let's be honest. But D'Angelo Russell, someone who you have... Uh, <laughs> How do I put this politely? You've thumbed your nose out a couple of times. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, fan. Five points on two of 11 shooting today. Gave him absolutely nothing. He has now shot less than 50% in his first 13 playoff games. The longest streak since DeMar Rosen had 25 straight to start his playoffs. Wow. 2014 to 2016. So, yeah, not good reading for D'Lo. And had it not been for LeBron and Rui Hashimura, geez, the Lakers would have got absolutely blown
0: out. Well, and Roy had a massive first game too, so he's in form at the right time as well.
1: He is. But the thing is, if you look at the supporting cast for the Grizzlies, I mean, Tillman obviously had a great game, but Luke Kennard, David Roddy made timely threes. Tyus Jones always has a great assist-to-turnover ratio, eight to one today, and they did enough.
0: Dylan Brooks as well. What a pest. (laughs) Mini Draymond, basically.
1: you got to love him. So what was his quote today about LeBron? I don't care he's old... I poke bears. I don't respect nobody till they give me forty. Man, you think LeBron's going after him in Game Three? I yes. fucking love love where this is heading.
0: Yes, yes, he's uh, yes, he's another Patrick Beverly as well, isn't he? In a way, I guess. So when you think about those guards, it's yeah, it's a spicy series, and hopefully, yeah, as you say, hopefully it goes seven. By the way, did you see NBA History tweeted that it's the twenty third different team that LeBron's gone up against in the postseason?
1: I did see that. Yeah, it's incredible. He only needs seven incredible. more
0: for the full set. It's, it is incredible. There's no other word for it.
1: It is. Now, Nathan. we've got a, a big talking point to come out of, I, I guess not just this series. I mean, it comes out of this series and the Milwaukee-Miami series. So Giannis gets hurt in game one against Miami. Jamarant gets hurt in game one here. Players stepping in to take charges on guys going up for, I guess, dunks or layups, landing badly and hurting themselves. There's been all this talk online about getting rid of the charge. What are your thoughts, man?
0: Oh, I think that's absurd. It's absurd. It's like the, them talking about the tackle being dead in the AFL. Like I saw one of the ABC grandstand guys talk about, I think he he cited there'd been over a thousand tackles over the weekend and only three of them were problematic. It's, it's just talking points, isn't it? Injuries happen. It's a part of the game. It's a part of sport. You can't legislate mistaken injury out of everything. It's just the way it is. Now... Things can be tightened, things can be tweaked, but it's just a part of the game.
1: I've got a tweak for you that I have seen that I actually don't mind, and I would want your thoughts on it. So I've heard a few people talk about the idea of maybe making the non-charge circle a little bit bigger to kind of encourage guys to try and block shots.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, it's certainly a, a it's worth a try. It's not a bad idea by any stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the flip side of that, obviously, trying to block shots can lead to injuries, and we'll talk about Julius Randle fairly soon when we get to the East, but I don't mind the idea, and you don't have to bring it out to the free throw line or anything, but I guess you maybe (laughs) do want to encourage guys to try and come across and block shots rather than, I guess, sliding in. I mean, Kevin Love looked like he kind of slid in a little bit under Giannis. Davis got the call on Jar Morant, but he was still kind of sliding in a little bit as Morant was getting ready to take off. So I get where people are coming from. And look, had this been, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the reserve players, had it been Goran Dragic and David Roddy instead of Giannis and Ja Morant, would we even be having this conversation?
0: Well, that's right. Exactly. It's a good point.
1: Goran Dragic had three minutes today.
0: Woo! <laughs> uh, great, great training for us, Joey. No, Joe Ingles what? played magnificently though, which is good to see.
1: He, he did. But no, Dragic, what a beast. Two points in three minutes. Love it.
0: Yeah, you're, I'm just going to call you Dylan Brooks.
1: <laughs> did, did you say that? Um, I, poke, I poke bears, Nathan.
0: <laughs> and I'm nearly 42, too. Now, as I mentioned before, Stewie, game one of Suns Clippers was magnificent. I got a confession to make. I enjoyed watching Kawhi. I did. Oh, dear. I know. Maybe enough dust has settled. Maybe enough water's gone under the bridge. He's just so fucking good. He's Is such it, a isn't good player. Oh, and he's a two-way player too. And you know, I like defense. So, I mean, that was such an impressive performance with Paul George out and he's probably out in the entire series. Wow. I think, I i mean, I picked the the Suns in seven, but I think Kawhi's performance showed why I said seven and not a few less games like many people did.
1: Well, Nathan, I have a confession to make as well. I actually don't mind watching Durant play.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: And I usually wear a Denver Nuggets Kenneth Fareed jersey to volleyball when I play on a Tuesday. The numbers are starting to fall off. It's absolutely been through the wars. And I substituted it for the Oklahoma City Durant jersey. It felt dirty for the first couple of minutes, but
0: forgot I was wearing it after a while. There you go. There you go. So what do you make of this series, Joey? Anything can happen, I reckon. Oh, Good to see this Scott Foster streak end at 13, by the way. I was disappointed to see Jock Landau get a DMP after he played some really useful minutes in game one, I thought. Yeah, that's a really interesting one because Bismack
1: Biombo has been playing decent ball, but to give a DMP CD to someone like Landau is a bit rough. But I did want to start that very much what you said. Chris Paul won a game against Scott Foster. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And this is ai don't know if you've seen this as well. Someone has actually created a fake scott foster twitter page have you seen that i have not so they create this page under scott foster and it's basically got his image as a ref and it says hey cp3 good luck tonight let the best man win oh (laughs) jeez. and mark cuban follows the account classic it's so good and he, he actually mark cuban someone said oh it's so funny that mark cuban follows this and cuban said gotta have a sense of humor although he did spell humor wrong So there is that.
0: Well, he probably spelled it the American way.
1: Yes, which is wrong. Yeah. Um, So, have you seen? So you've obviously seen Game One. Did you see any of Game Two?
0: I saw Game One. I only saw highlights of Game Two. I didn't see any of any of the uh, action itself, other than highlights. I'll Uh, tell you what. What did you make of Game One? I nearly rewatched the fourth quarter. If I had more time, I would have watched the fourth quarter again because it was, as I say, very impressive, and Kawhi is just amazing. He really is. And they do have enough firepower to beat the Suns, especially because the Suns are still integrating Durant. And going back to what I said when we were doing our predictions, the bench, they're not getting bench play. They only had one player over 10 minutes in game one, Landry Shamit. It was a bit better in game two. Uh, Campaign's still out, so that's an interesting one. Chris Paul is losing a step. So look, I, I very easily could see the Clippers winning this series. Wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Well, let's look at, uh, I suppose, a couple of the key things. So from game one, I mean, as you mentioned, yeah, Leonard was amazing. Those big threes that he hit, plus the one that Eric Gordon hit down the stretch, obviously massive in kind of stretching out a lead that was very, very tight going into the last couple of minutes. And it has to be said, Russell Westbrook probably had the best three of 19 game in NBA history.
0: And what's funny, I heard Om Yongsamuk, uh, I think it was on the low post saying, I think it was him, was it him? Anyway, someone was saying that uh, the last play to do it was him for the for the Wizards had a three of 19 and had exactly. pretty much a match winning performance that block and throw off Booker's legs was like put that in the hall of fame that is like you know you had they have those playoff montages of amazing plays you got to add that one to the list because in, in the modern history with the band block and all the different things the the value all these different things that's got to go there too because that was just spectacular spectacular
1: Absolutely. And the thing is, like, yes, okay, the numbers, you know, nine points, 11 boards, eight assists, two steals, three blocks, you know, they're, they're solid. But down the stretch, you know, a couple of real key offensive rebounds to keep possessions alive that led to those three pointers. If you look at his defense, he defended Kevin Durant, Booker, and Chris Paul on 59 possessions in game one. They scored six points on those possessions on 25% shooting. That is unreal.
0: That's elite. Yeah, you can afford to shoot badly with with that sort of stuff. By the way, on the D on Chris Paul, I know that Norm Powell isn't known for his defence, but I thought he defended Chris Paul quite well too. So if even he's giving you some really solid defensive minutes when he's basically on the court for scoring, that bodes well. I, you know, I love Terrence Mann. I talk about him. He was magnificent in a number of playoff games over the last couple of years. So yeah, I, lo- I like this Clippers team. I do like them. And if they got Paul back, Anything could happen, but they got to get past this series first, and it's not going to be easy.
1: And and this is the thing. If you look at game two, that kind of went a little bit more to script. The Sun starters were amazing, 110 points, nearly 61% shooting, so 45 of 74 from the field. And the thing is, when you shoot as a team, basically a 59-42-93 clip, you're not going to lose many games, are you?
0: Not many at all. That's, yeah, that's, uh, I'll use that word again. That's elite.
1: It is. Now, I know you just mentioned Norm Powell. I think the big thing for the Clippers moving forward is that, yes, he, defensively he's been pretty good. They do need more from him offensively. So 12 points in game two, 14 in game one. He's a guy that needs to be getting up, you know, 15 shots a game. He's a, a good volume shooter, can get hot very quickly, can make three or four threes in the space of a couple of minutes if he gets going. And obviously we know that Westbrook's not going to shoot a particularly high clip most of the time. So, they really need that real boost of offense coming out of the bench, i.e., Norm Powell. You're probably not going to get much from Bones Highland. Man, will give you a little bit here and there. And then there's not much else. So, Nath, one big talking point for me after game one, I don't know if you saw this, this Suns fan yelling Westbrick at Russ while he's in that lounge area. Did oh, yes, that? I
0: did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was at half time, I think, wasn't it? Going through the tunnel at half time. I
1: thought it was at the end of the game. I'm pretty sure it was
0: half-time, I think. Anyway, yeah, I'm not sure, 100%.
1: Look, regardless, having fans of opposition teams in an area that these players have to walk through, what the hell are they doing having that sort of environment there? I mean, all that does is put players and the fans at risk. I mean, Russ isn't exactly tall by NBA standards, but he towered over this guy.
0: Well, it's funny you say this. So I did actually hear Zach Lowe talking about this, and apparently it's not an area that players would normally go through but during the pandemic, when they didn't have fans at games, players were using it as a shortcut to get to the court because it was quicker. And so I think it's been a habitual thing. So obviously Russ wasn't on the team back then, but obviously he was just following his teammates. So I guess they're probably all doing it. So so that's the answer to that one.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't love it. You know, it's a it's a really dangerous environment. I mean, if Westbrook really takes exception to this and decides to have a swing... I mean, he's probably missing for the rest of the playoffs. And that's a really key part of what the Clippers are trying to do
0: without Paul George. Is it any different to someone courtside though, really, in the grand scheme of things? Like players can get attention from fans in a number of different places and at different times. So,
1: Yeah, they, they can. It's it's very, very rare. I don't know. It's rare to see it courtside. And I don't know why it is any different. It's a good point you make. But I guess just having that one person there with his kid versus a big sea of fans. I don't know. Maybe it's just a slight difference, but I don't like it. I just think it's dangerous.
0: As I say, maybe the players aren't meant to be going through there anyway. So it'll be interesting to see if mm. that changes going forward. True. So I don't know how much time we need to give to the Nuggets and the T-Wolves, Stewie. Apart from the fact that Jamal Murray already has more 40-point playoff games than Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Carmelo Anthony, Oscar Robertson, Carmelo, Malone, Alex English, Curry Irving, Paul Pierce, Rose, and Reggie Miller, Tim Duncan and Magic Johnson.
1: It's a good list, isn't it? A really it is good, a good list. list.
0: Not all of them are scorers, like, in fairness, but uh no, all that, prolific scorers. Fair. But yeah.
1: Look, I haven't seen much of this series, or certainly not as much as I would have liked. It's pretty much as simple as this. Fantastic defensive performance in game one from Denver. Minnesota made some adjustments in game two. Anthony Edwards was just spectacular, shot the lights out. And they're in the game until fairly late. Denver makes some big plays. Jamal Murray, as you say, was just Oh, next level! He kind of turned back into bubble Jamal Murray.
0: Well, that's right. He's—I mean, he's—he's he's like uh, Jimmy Butler. He's a playoff performer, mm-hmm. proven over multiple playoff series now and and seasons. So it bodes well. And and like I said last week, a lot of people were throwing a bit too much shade at Denver for my liking, and and they probably liked it that way, being underdogs. But I don't know if they were getting enough respect. And I, and I probably expect them to win in four or five now
1: yeah I think Minnesota can get one but Denver just they're too talented I did want to just bring up one thing and I don't know if you saw this from today if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch games but there was the fifth foul that was called on Rudy Gobert and he sort of went over the back on Jokic and gets called for the foul didn't really think it was there but well he didn't think it was there I thought it was but he's kind of lost his mind he's got teed up from one of the umpires and as he's about to get thrown out, Kyle Anderson of all people is the guy that grabs him. And there was reports that Anderson actually said, hit me, don't hit the ref.
0: Yes, I heard that.
1: <laughs> if that's true, that is next level amazing.
0: Well, he's he's a bit of a glue guy, heart and soul kind of guy on the team from all accounts and and not afraid to to have hard conversations. So yeah, no, he's a good, good veteran to have on the squad. I saw bits of game one, but it was enough of a blowout for me to kind of not, pay too much attention to it i haven't seen anything today yet though so yeah but 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 i just i don't know i I just think they're outmatched Uh, i think it's good to see edwards playing a little bit better he was a bit disappointing in those playing games and and at the start in game one but uh yeah i i just think denver are too classy and i think ideally for them they finish in four or five and then let the clippers and Suns beat each other out over a seven game series
1: yeah i think that's probably the best thing they can hope for and uh, I guess, look, Minnesota, yeah, they, they pretty much hope they can get one. I, I can't see them getting both games in Minnesota, even though it is a home game. I, I just can't see them getting both of those.
0: Denver oh, Denver's just a better team, yeah. Mm. Now we'll smash through the ace, Stewie. It's not nearly as interesting as we predicted. Round one was probably going to be not as fun. It probably gets quite interesting in the conference semis, but let's start with Cavs next, the one that's probably most likely to go the distance.
1: Yeah, I love this series. Both teams kind of throwing punches. And I have to say, like, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the Jalen Brunsons of the world and the Donovan Mitchells. Josh Hart in game one. Everyone sort of, I guess, downplayed the importance of him coming to New York. I I loved that pickup. He was awesome in game one, 17 and 10, 8 of 11 shooting, Really supported Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle to an extent. He had a pretty shitty shooting night, but he hit that massive three with six minutes left, stretched the lead out to 10, and Cleveland uh, ob- obviously then had to respond in game two and then made their adjustments. Darius Garland, Karis Levert were awesome. But I have to ask this question, though. When the fuck will Tom Thibodeau learn?
0: Minutes, yeah. He ruined
1: yeah. Derek Rose's career, and he fucking nearly ruined Julius Randle's in a game... Twenty-three point game, less than two and a half minutes, and he and Jalen Brunson are both on the floor. It makes no sense.
0: Well, I guess some leopards don't change their spots, we? The, the two major points that came out of it for me are that I've underestimated the Knicks clearly, and that yes, that Josh Hart trade was huge, huge trade.
1: I, I'm so sorry, man. I just I, I have to go back to this fucking Randall clip. It's it's it drives me insane. This this clip that is doing the rounds of this dunk where Randall gets knocked down. Reggie Miller actually says Randall and Brunson need to be off the floor. Three seconds later, Randall is on his ass, having been knocked down. And Jared Allen going for a shot block. I get that. That's fine. But Randall oh, it wasn't a dirty play.
0: Yeah. Him. No, not at no, all. No, no, no. It was just well, one of those things. Yeah.
1: But imagine if he'd been seriously injured, was never the same again, like Derek Rose. It, it's just, it's criminal. It really is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of our bugaboos. We always talk about it, don't we? At different sports, different leagues. We always talk about coaches leaving players on the court or the field for too long and risking them. So, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you, Stewie. Total agreement.
1: Yeah, and and I have to say, Nathan, I'm with you. I think both of us very much underestimated New York. Now, I, look, I didn't think that Cleveland would win in a sweep, but I didn't think New York would play them quite as well in that first game. I think for me... The big thing with the Knicks, though, if they want to win this series and they want to put themselves in a position to win, a lot of it's going to come back to RJ Barrett. Seven points on two of 12, no assists in game one. 14 points on four of 13, no assists in game two. He has to be better.
0: Yeah, he he's disappointed. He's disappointed. I had high hopes for him out of college, but he hasn't lived up to them, unfortunately. The interesting thing about the game one, if you're not in the play-in, it's the one time, it's the best time to be a road team is game one, round one because people have had a bit of time off. It's just, I don't know. It's 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 like that old thing about how I like to start a season on the road because losing a home game in that first game when you're a bit rusty is you, those, they're like gold home games. And, and it's kind of a similar theory with the playoffs. I, I just feel like quite often you'll see I mean it's like Bucks and and Heat and we'll talk about that in a moment too. You can come out and slap someone in the face. And obviously the the Heat had their warm-ups in the playing game. So so it is it's never a good time to be the road team in some ways, but it is probably the best time to be the road team is game 1 round 1.
1: Yeah, we'll see certainly how things go now that it shifts over to MSG and whether the Knicks can be competitive and potentially even cause an upset.
0: The injuries will be a problem though. So it's it's going to be interesting. I just feel like this one could go seven. Agreed. Now, speaking of injuries, Giannis missed today, but the Bucks still won. Yeah,
1: geez. It's, it's such a weird one, isn't it? Like the Bucks actually looked better with Giannis out. And I, and I know that in no world can you possibly say they're a better team without Giannis. But, you know, game one, I mean, look, Miami played absolutely perfectly. Jimmy Butler was hot. You said he was due a big one. He had 35 and 11, 15 of 27 from the field. Every Heat player shot at least 50% from the field. Chris Middleton was exceptional. Bobby Portis was really, really good. But it kind of looked like the shock of losing Giannis was massive for the Bucs, and they just weren't kind of the same. And Then game two, they kind of turned around and they're a completely different team. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights of this.
0: No, I must confess that I didn't. But I think... It's hard to make in-game adjustments when your superstar goes down. But it's not all that surprising that a veteran-laden team would then come out in the next game and play well without him. The other thing, I guess, of course, is the Tyler Hero out for Miami. So I I don't expect Miami to cause them enough headaches to win the series. I still think Milwaukee will win the series. And Giannis probably comes back the next game anyway. I mean, they could still very easily win in five, I think. But uh, it, it does make things a little bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, well, and this is it, like him breaking his hand and not being out there. Obviously, that puts a lot of pressure on guys like a Max Struess or a Duncan Robinson or a Gabe Vincent to be shooting really good clips and, and scoring a lot of points that Hero usually does. And all of a sudden, yeah, you go into game two and they flip the script. You go from Miami shooting, I think they shot something like 15 of 25 from three in game one. I mean, the Bucks just shot the shit out of the ball. Pat Connerton, Joe Ingles, 11 of 16 from deep combined. Grayson Allen, 4 of 8 himself. The Bucks, 25 of 49. Franchise record. Insane.
0: And shout out to Jingles, who's entered the top 100 playoff three-pointers of all time. He's now tied for 97th. And he'll just keep climbing because he's still yeah. got a little bit of time left.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think expect so. him to
0: have a good long run too, so... At least to the conference finals, I would imagine. So he'll he'll yeah, score a few more.
1: You'd think so, definitely. And the thing is, again, the bucks they made, uh, I suppose, a few adjustments on Jimmy Butler. He shot a good clip, but 27 shots in game one, only 12 shots in game two. And so this is where, I guess, you look at it and you say, without Tyler Hero, Butler needs to be shooting probably 25 shots a game. And if they can hold him to 12, well, that really, I guess, puts Milwaukee in a good position they're forcing other guys to be I guess taking shots they're maybe not comfortable with and I guess the other thing that they flipped was if you look at the points in the paint Miami plus 16 in game one Milwaukee plus 10 in game two these are the adjustments that you've got to make in a series like this and as you say it's a very good veteran team there's a lot of guys on the bench that maybe weren't there for the championship run but have had I guess, big experiences in the past like a Joe Ingles. And they're a high IQ team and they'll they'll get things done, I guess.
0: And we talked about that horrible draft. Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller, two of those blokes that were selected ahead of Alex Len, along with Anthony Bennett and Otto Porter Jr. They actually got minutes today, whereas they didn't get minutes in game one. So that's interesting. I, I would have thought there's always time for Oladipo. He's not what he used to be, but he's still handy.
1: Yeah, he had a, a decent game today. I think he had, what, 6 of 13 from the field for about 14 points or something or 13 points. Yeah, he so, contributed. Yeah. He's one of these guys that I think if you gave him good minutes and you let him run an offense, he could still be a guy that averages sort of low to mid 20s. I just don't think he can stay on the court long enough and I think that's that's probably what holds him back now, but look, it is what it is and that, you know that's basketball, it's a business. As we saw on last week's show, there's a lot of guys in that last week of the season that put up stupidly big numbers that you'll probably barely hear from again. Look at Kenny Lofton Jr. who had 42 and 14 and he barely even plays all season.
0: And Jeff Green will bob up for a few games like he always does. Should we move to the 76ers and Nets, Chewy? I managed to see a fair bit, of most of game two, actually. And the Nets played them really tough. But at the end of the day... Philly are just a better team and, and have more horses, don't they? And that's why they got over the line there. But but credit to the Nets. They will they will play them tough for the entire series. Gentleman sweep coming, I'm telling you. Yeah, probably. Probably.
1: Yeah. If you look at the box scores, Philly have had three guys score 20 or more in both of the games. Unless Embiid gets hurt, this series is just going to be short. You know, you're seeing Tyrese Maxey go oh, off in game two.
0: He went off. <laughs> Huge. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah,
1: I think the only chance Brooklyn has in this series is keeping the games in the 80s. You've got to have Dimwitty Bridges and Cam Johnson staying aggressive. But it's just, as you say, it's not going to be enough. They're not talented enough.
0: I've heard a lot of conventional wisdom saying, let Embiid get his and shut down everyone else. I, th- I think that might be the strategy to to go with, actually. But I still don't I'm think it's sure enough.
1: I don't think that makes a difference. Yeah, frankly. it's not enough. It does I have to say, really disappointing. Two DNP CDs for Paddy Mills. Free that man.
0: Yeah, I know. It is a shame, isn't it? it, it surely he can give them some useful minutes. Surely. Mm. And he's, yeah, he's contributed in the playoffs for his whole career. Yeah, that is disappointing. That is disappointing. Yep. Did you notice Embiid was talking about how he played the game the right way? And then there's that horrible footage of him flopping against a guy half his size. Yeah, he plays the <laughs> yeah. game the right way.
1: Ah, oh, look, that's pretty standard for Embiid, unfortunately, but. Look, as you said before, we need villains. He is a villain, whether he wants to be or not, and I think he embraces that. And I, I still enjoy watching him play. I think he's an incredibly talented player. And oh, and no doubt about player. that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah.
1: We've said a number of times that he, he's probably the MVP this season, but it's yeah, it is disappointing when you see guys doing that.
0: I just think he lacks a bit of self-awareness. Like, he bitches about free throws when him and Harden have been some of the biggest beneficiaries of free throws over the last five or so years, you know what I mean? Five plus years. So, yeah, I don't know. We don't need to give much time to the uh, Celtics and Hawks, do we? Unless you want to talk about the horror show that is the Atlanta Hawks. Sorry to Woody and Robbie in advance.
1: Look, it's it's been hard to get excited about this one. I, I think I overestimated Atlanta... It's been the first halves in both games where Boston have done all of their damage. If you look at a couple of these things, I mean, Derek White's averaging 25 points a game on 58% shooting. He's making DeJounte Murray look like Trey Young. Jason Tatum's getting his. And then on the flip side, Trey Young, 14 of 40 from the field in the two games, three of 13 from three, and five turnovers apiece in games one and two. This kind of feels like it's over already.
0: Trey Young's playoff stats over his last eight to 10 games are not good. They are not good. High volume, low reward. He's yeah. being talked about, being traded. And and Bill Simmons yep. suggested the Spurs. But for the love of God, no. No, thank you. No.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I mean, look, again, there's no place like home and getting some of that home cooking, being in your own bed. We always talk about that stuff in the playoffs. It can sometimes be enough. Is it going to be enough though for Atlanta to win the next two and put pressure on Boston? I'm not sure. I just, yeah, unfortunately it just does. It feels like this one is very rapidly getting away from the Hawks.
0: And Boston are championship favourites, so probably for a reason.
1: First time that Milwaukee hasn't been the favourites in a long time.
0: All right, sure you know what that music means. Final thoughts time.
1: Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Nate. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Some people have Christmas, you and I have the NBA playoffs. It is the best time of the year. We're seeing some cracking series. Sacramento-Golden State is exactly as we thought it would be. Great to see the Lakers and Memphis having a bit of a tussle, and New York and Cleveland in the East has been fun too. So much intrigue to go on before the the second round starts. And we might even watch some AFL sometime soon.
0: (laughs) A little bit of AFL here and there. Just please, no more injuries in the NBA. We've had enough of the injuries. Let's keep everyone healthy. Until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.